the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic, the one stop shop source for all the sports news, including all NBA free agents updates, winners, losers, best contracts, worst contracts, all the stuff we talk about here on Spot Track. It is long formed, built out at The Athletic. Download the app, personalize it with your favorite teams and leagues and get an ad-free content experience like no other. Visit theathletic.com slash SpotTrack, S-P-O-T-R-A-C, for 40% off your first-year subscription today. My name is Mike Giannetti. Happy Thursday night leading into Friday morning. Appreciate you all bearing with us as I took a little bit of vacation away from the podcast, away from SpotTrack. I'm back. I have updates on the NBA, of course. We're going to bring in Scott Allen and Keith Smith and break down the agreements. Almost $2 billion worth of agreements. Plenty more in extensions. Lots of trades that were went official. Plenty more that aren't official yet. What does it all mean? How do the puzzle pieces all come together across the league as we head into actual free agency tomorrow? Scott and Keith will have a phenomenal breakdown from a financial perspective in just a few minutes. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment. Dedicated to serving the unique wealth management needs of athletes and top professionals in the entire entertainment industry. Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment strives to bring professionals for financial solutions they need, including access to financing, supporting prospective NFL and NBA athletes through the entire draft process. Visit morganstanley.com slash GSE today. That's morganstanley.com slash GSE. We're also provided by Balanced Bridge Funding. Cost-friendly capital solutions to professional athletes, since 2015, Balance Bridge has dedicated professionals who understand the industry and are ready to customize a repayment plan catered to your client's situation and financial objectives. Borrow wisely and cost effectively. Avoid broker fees. And there's no prepayment penalties if you pay it back early. Whether you're out there looking to, for a bridge against guaranteed earnings, a free agent out there looking for the next investment, or borrowing money for any other reason, let Balanced Bridge get a look, provide a solution, and be a resource for you and your client. Visit balancedbridge.com today. All right, Keith Smith is here. He's at Keith Smith MBA on Twitter, joined by Scott Allen, of course, as well. Both have been working their tails off on all of these agreements, all of these trades, many of which aren't official, some of which won't be official for a few days because timing is of the essence with the MBA. That's why these two are here. Welcome to the show. How has your week been? <laughs> <laughs> wild uh for me it's been uh it's been long we were just talking before we started about how the olympics are going on too so it's just been been one thing after another i will say though i really like the idea of the first day of nba free agency yeah. flowing right into an olympics game i'll take that every year <laughs> um yeah, I think you say that now, but I bet you in, in two, three days when you are wiped out, you'll think otherwise, Keith. <laughs> especially if we lose yeah, this probably. gold medal, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Scott, what uh, what threw you off this week? Anything crazy that stood out? Because honestly, and we talked about this last week leading up to it, wasn't the best free agent class, but I think both of you sort of said out loud, that can lead to crazy things. When, you know, when there's not a couple of breadwinners to go out and try to get with cap space teams have to get creative. I think we saw that at least in a few instances this week so far. Yeah. And I think the, the thing that caught me by surprise is the amount of dollars that have been spent right. in free agency already. We, we, they've already surpassed 2020 and for a down year that everyone had expected guys are still getting paid and we're seeing guys that, 
you know, THT with the Lakers, who was on the G League, and then he he got a nice deal. And and Duncan Robinson, Duncan, he got D3-er, a deal. Yeah. And, and and right off of the bat, we had seen a lot of teams just re-signing their guys. We weren't seeing players go to other teams. And then as we got more into it, we started seeing players go to other teams, but then the sign and trade is thrown in there. Yeah. And I think the craziest thing that has gone down was the the maturation of three different trades becoming a five team trade. <laughs> yeah. And I had messaged Keith. I said, I don't know if this has ever happened. And then he went into the history books and found one to 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 say it has happened. Yeah. But a five team trade, it, it the amount of pieces that have to go into that and and well it speaks to the level of creativity right scott it speaks to how uh, and i'll put it this way it speaks to how far teams will go to not put an offer sheet in keith is the dead is the offer sheet system just dead in this league (laughs) yeah it might be i mean we're down to there was reporting this afternoon uh here on thursday that there may be an offer sheet for laurie markinen and that is really it, it that's the first time we've heard any kind of hint uh, of an offer sheet. And if you think about it, it's Charlotte that's reportedly interested. And they know the Bulls are in a mess with now the hard cap and that, and they can put them in a really difficult situation. So I think Charlotte's looking at it as, all right, this is the one opportunity to steal a guy. And, and it didn't used to be that way. It used to be every year you'd have two or three guys sign offer sheets. But I think what the teams have also gotten better about is as they've built better relationships and things are less adversarial in front offices is saying, hey, we're going to do, we'll do an offer sheet and then we'll screw everything up for both of us for two days while we play through this, you know, foolish process. Or can we just work out a sign and trade and make yeah. it work? And that's what we're, we've seen it replace that the the first big one of that was the Malcolm Brogdon one that I can remember a couple of years back where it was, Hey, let's just do an offer sheet and move on. And both sides are like, uh, or let's just do a sign and trade and move on. And both sides are like, yeah, Don, let's not mess around with offer sheets. So I think, think, I, I think the restrictive free agency process may get some form of overhaul again in the new CBA just to, what of kind of what are we doing here? Because this isn't really doing what anybody wants. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm, I'm going to piggyback. I'm going to piggyback on that because we had all these uh, qualifying offers being extended, and every day now we're having two or three that are being rescinded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, you're seeing that teams are realizing there is either a no market or there just isn't a way because that cap space has already been right. eaten up. So there's no way for those players to even uh, get moved in a sign and trade or through the offer or anything like that. So uh, I, I agree that there's going to have to be a completely overhaul of that system, whether there's, you know, different exceptions to it or whatever it may be, but it, it's, Definitely gone by the wayside. Keith, I, and this might be one of those on-the-spot questions. I apologize. But how, how many teams currently do you have hard-capped in the league right now? Uh, that's a good question. I can figure that out. It, it's a little on-the-spot for me, but, uh, let, I mean, it's probably going to be at least, I'm going to guess, 10 wow. or 11. And and I want to say, let, let me check the number from last year. Right. Because yeah, last year it, it was over record. half. Yeah, it was over half last year. Yeah, last year, I want to say it was either 18 or 19 teams ended up hard capped. Yeah, it was 18 
teams ended up hard capped. And what what's driven a lot of that is the uh, rebirth of the sign and trade. Because right. we went through a number of years where sign and trades were basically dead. Teams were operating with cap space more often, and there was no reason to do sign and trades and and those kind of things. But now that we're back in an environment where uh, two thirds of the league roughly is capped out. The sign and trade has come back, uh, you know, in vogue here in a big, big way, and that's why you know I think we're seeing the, these teams go in this direction. But yeah, I, I would say just roughly off the top of my head, it's probably going to be around ten. In a challenge that I think is working against a handful of these teams is a bunch of them are dancing around the uh, the luxury tax and hard cap line, so they they don't even have the ability to get themselves to be hard capped because uh, they'll only have that taxpayer mid-level available to them. Uh, so, but yeah, my guess will be probably at least 10 teams, if not more, when all is said and done. All right. Yeah. So you mentioned a lot of these teams are are really all capped in. Many are high tax right now. Many are really pushing that threshold, as you mentioned. It means we're going to see some creativity, even more creativity, honestly, once we get past August 6th, once the, the real deal starts to happen, some of these trades process things, you know, and the timing mechanisms sort of build in. Which kind of teams, you know, are there a team or two out there right now, Keith, that are going to be dancing around this process a little bit, maybe the, like like the Anthony Davis situation was with the Lakers? Yeah, I think so. I think Boston is one of those teams. They're, they're going to do this Tristan Thompson trade, presumably at some point in some form or fashion. It's, uh, we're, we're now going on almost a week that we heard about this trade. I, I want to say it was last Friday. And then usually we'll hear about them and then we'll have tweaks to trades and those kind of things. Like what happened with the Russell Westbrook deal and roping in, you know, other teams and making that a monster five teamer. But now this one's gone really kind of quiet, but everybody says it's still going to happen. The main pieces are still going to move around the way they were uh, reported on. So we'll see. So they're going to be a team do, doing some work there. I think uh, Philadelphia will we'll be doing a, a little bit of their dancing around to see what they can do to uh, avoid um, getting too deep into the tax. I think Portland's another team that's in kind of an interesting spot. Uh, how far into the tax do they want to go? They're, they're going to be in the tax after resigning Norman Powell. Utah's a tax team. Uh, Utah's really, I think, kind of interesting, though. They, they did the favors trade, which sent a message of maybe we don't want to be a tax team. Right. And then they went right out and went right back in by signing Rudy Gay, uh, which I think was you know, really good. And then they actually added to it a little bit uh, yesterday when they, they uh, came to an agreement to trade for Eric Pascal from the uh, Golden State Warriors. So they, it's, it's really kind of interesting. Indiana, that's another team. You know, they don't want to pay the tax, but they're right up against it. So I, th I think we're going to see some – now what's going to happen is Sam Presti is going to be waiting there with open arms <laughs> for draft picks and salary dumps. And, you know, in, in, in his goal to control an entire 60-pick uh, draft is, is well underway because you're going to see all these teams looking, hey, OKC, you're sitting on a bundle, right? Okay, can we move this guy to you? Can we move this guy to you? And they're just going to be sitting there ready and waiting. I heard Pablo Torre yesterday say somewhere there's an eight-year-old ready to be drafted by the Oklahoma City. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> that's how far out that's gone. Scott, I have to give the obligatory question. And we, we try to stay away from winners and losers as much as possible. So I will spin it as spot track as possible. What contracts agreed to so far, I have to use proper terminology here, it could be the best value. 
Like, which one stands out there like a sore thumb that, hey, you know what? This guy probably could have got a little bit more, but maybe he picked team over over dollar signs right now. Probably have to go with Chris Paul right now. <laughs> okay. Low, low, lower value than the 44 that he could have opted into. Got some guaranteed money. But what we're hearing is, is that fourth year is a team option and the third year is partially guaranteed. So it's not really fully guaranteed at 120. So you could get two good years out of Chris Paul at thirty million a year. I think that's a steal right now. Yeah, probably right based on how that's structured. Keith, which contract made you say "Wow" out loud when you saw it come across? Right. Scott knows because we were yeah, we were yes, going back and forth. Zach Collins. I don't understand what happened there, uh, and it's the most uh, unspurs-like thing that I can really remember them doing. This is, and I like Zach Collins as a player, but this is a guy who broke his foot recently while rehabbing from another injury. He hasn't really played in about two and a half years, and they gave him three years, twenty-two million, so seven million plus a year. Now we're going to find out. My guess is it's going to have non-guaranteed money. Uh, one of the jokes that I heard out there was, "Can it be fully non-guaranteed?" <laughs> um, <laughs> which is is kind of how you almost kind of feel about it. But yeah, that one just I I. I'm still days into this now and I have texted with more people in the league about that one. And then what I like to call some reporting shenanigans with the Rashawn Holmes contract. Um, but does, those two have been the ones where everybody's been like, uh, what's happening here? The Holmes one is more just, all right, this isn't right. Right. Cause this one, that one set people off with, we got to figure out some money here because somebody's not doing math. Right. And is it all of us or is it the reporting of it? But then what ultimately was on the other side was with the uh, Collins one. That one just is absolutely baffling. <laughs> I love it. I love when you get fired up. All right. It's a hometown <laughs> question. I'll start with Scott. The Washington wizards are, that's the question. Trying to keep Bradley Beal as best as possible. Yeah, is that you th is that what this is about? It's about putting a, a tenable team around him to make him happy enough to stay for at least two, three more years. Or is this just yeah, a, they, it's just I, just a one year flash in the pan? I guess maybe I'm asking that question incorrectly. I, I think they're doing what they can to try to keep him. It's probably the same situation that the Chicago Bulls are in with Levine. They're trying to put pieces around, showing that. They're willing to make the moves necessary to make the team a contender. And, you know, maybe it's just buying their time until they have to trade or Beal requests a trade. But I I think it, they're doing what they can right now with the, what they have on their roster. Yeah, I think they sniffed the playoffs last year. They want to sniff it again and maybe, be, you know, maybe not be the eight seed, maybe be more of a six seed. And they if, brought in some veterans to kind of make that happen. I, I you know, we'll see how much yeah. Westbrook meant to that team, but it, I think it's a valiant effort to replace a player like that with four players who could be completely competent. Yeah, and they're definitely getting an upgrade in point guard. Mm -hmm. Dinwiddie, if he can come back fully healthy and, and from that horrible injury. Uh, Thomas Bryant was on injured reserve right. for pretty much the whole year. So if they can, he can come back at full health, you know, you're bringing back pieces that are set to help the team more than they were going into the playoffs. And on top of that, they, they brought in a, they drafted another shooter. Um, 
and they're hoping that Bertans can still shoot. Yeah. Rui, you know, it's a good mix of young he, and old, right? I mean, flourish? it's a balanced it, it is a mix roster. of young and old. You're right. Yeah. A mix and, of young and, and old. And Keith, to that point, the, the Bulls have done much of the same. There might be a couple of questionable dollar signs on that cap table right now, but they're, uh, I guess, l- let me reverse the question for you, Keith. Scott's saying this as a, as a way to keep Bradley Beal, to keep Zach Levine. Could it be the counterpoint? Could it be that they want to build a team just in case those guys leave? Because I don't think Levine staying is a sure thing at all. Yeah, I think both of those teams put themselves in positions to remain competitive if they can't retain those, yeah. those players. And I think that's important for both of those teams. Those are not teams that have historically intentionally bottomed out like what we're seeing OKC do Orlando right now that they, they have not done that they, they have if it has happened it's just been circumstance that's driven it versus planning so I think it's with the Bulls what you're sitting there looking at is all right well even if we don't keep Levine we still have a what should be a pretty good team that can be a playoff type of team and push in and go from there. And if we do have Levine, we should be more than that. We should be able to, you know, start getting into the mix for maybe, you know, fourth, fifth seed, something like that. And then I think the same thing in Washington. I think Washington's looking at it and saying, hey, we've got guys now that can really play. Uh, None of the veterans that they added are the Kyle Lowry type veterans where it's, all right, you got a couple years here and figure this out. They're guys who are mid-career vets. That should be pretty good for them. And then they're both sides going to be hoping, all right, there's a handful of young players we have. So with the Bulls, Patrick Williams, Kobe White, uh, with the Wizards, it's Rui Hachimura, Denny Avdia, that those guys are going to figure it out and take steps forward. And that offsets anything that you lose as the players age and those kind of things. So both in very interesting spots. I don't think anything they did puts them in the Nets, Bucks, Sixers, Heat tier mm-hmm. in the East, but they're certainly better positioned than they were uh, a week ago. It, to piggyback on that, I'll say both teams have became deeper than they were yes. last season, especially the Wizards with bringing in Kuzma and Harrell and, and Caldwell Pope if, if they stay on the roster there and, and Aaron, Aaron Holiday. You know, they've made their team – a, a better team overall so that in the event that just say it's got somebody they can play does defense go down now <laughs> just saying because they couldn't last year at all yes yeah couldn't <laughs> wouldn't didn't want to. either we're, way we're being coached to i think all of the above uh yeah chicago bulls you know what i will say with washington ahead, sorry if i can yeah. add one quick thing they almost might have too many guys yeah. right now especially at the four because uh, that's where we've seen – that's what Kuzma is. He's a four. You have Barton. You have Hachimura. Uh, did, someone's going to follow because none of those guys are really great fits to play the three and none are great fits to play the five. But maybe that's where you're looking at it and say, this is a position of strength now. If we really need a three, a more pure wing, we maybe deal deal one of those guys off to get that. Not a bad place to be in in the second wave of free agency if you've got pieces yeah. to, to, to sell. You know what I mean? Um, yep. Looking at the tracker, by the way, quick update on numbers. The Bulls, $210 million agreed to so far, number one in the league. And your Boston Celtics, Keith, $2.6 <laughs> million agreed to. That's not going to do it, I don't think. But we'll see. You know, I'm not, I'm not the expert out here. Uh, piggybacking off of that <laughs> point, you mentioned Boston. You mentioned Portland. I'm going to throw the Clippers into this conversation, too. All three teams have been somewhat silent to start this, you know, agreements, some some trade rumors, things like that. 
are they going to splash? Who's which of those three? All of those three? Who's going to make a splash in, in the second week of this whole situation? Because Kawhi yeah, is they, obviously hanging out there. Yeah, the Clippers are being intentionally silent. They're they're basically it's it's almost operating more like they have two major restricted free agents in Kawhi Leonard and Reggie Jackson. I asked a lot of people around the league about Reggie Jackson, and the answer that I primarily got back was some version of. We could offer him the mid-level, and then the Clippers will just beat it, and he'll stay there. Because that's about where teams are at, is maybe we could go to almost $10 million a year for him, but the Clippers can go to about eleven and a half ish uh, and he will just stay there, and then that's it. He's not going to go anywhere. And then Kawhi, the, the risk is, I know Dallas had thought about, should we make a run at Kawhi Leonard? But the thought is, even no matter what, with the Clippers or anywhere else, all he was willing to do was a one plus one contract. And it sounds like that's where this is at. Cause then that gets him back on the market with 10 years of service and he can sign the biggest contract he can sign and go off from there. So I think what everybody's thinking with that is we don't really want to pay this guy to come in and rehab for a year and then opt out on us. <laughs> now the Clippers will, the Clippers are just waiting for Kawhi to say, this is what I want. And then they're going to say, great, we're going to draft it and it's done. They they know that they can't afford to lose him. Uh, they they're they're gonna play ball with him on on it no matter what it is. Um, and I and, and I misspoke slightly. He's already at the ten years of service, but he's gonna wait to get that that bump after this year because because they have um only the early bird rights, so they can't offer him That's the right. full um you know max deal because he signed only that two plus one and now he's opted out but so he'll do a one plus one with them, get to full bird rights, and then the full deal. And the Clippers get it right. We're going to pay you $39 million to rehab this year. That's going to be what it is. And, you know, so so be it and off we go. And that's also why everybody believes they're not going to lose Reggie Jackson. They're going to get him back no matter what because they just can't afford to lose him. And there's not a team left now except for Oklahoma City, and they're clearly not going to do it. That's going to throw Reggie Jackson any, anything in offer that the Clippers can't beat. It's really fascinating. The Clippers basically have to do nothing to stay where they are. You know what I mean? It's just yep. a, a good situation that they built. They built themselves deep, you know, a year and a half ago, and it's worked out at least to this point. Certainly not with rings, but it's worked out. Scott, I will go to the U for the Knicks, and then and then I'm coming back to you, Keith, for the Lakers. If you want to tee yourself up for that, all right. Uh, I think the Knicks are fascinating. We talked about them in a few shows prior to the free agent period, Scott. And the consensus with all three of us, honestly, was do they slow play this thing knowing what could be there for them in 2022? They've, they've already made themselves an attractive place to be again. You know, tough coach withstanding. Now they've gotten a little bit better. I, I don't think anybody's here saying Kemba Walker is going to be the piece that puts them over the edge. That's, that's not a Chris Paul move. You know, Kemba's been no. too injured, too inconsistent, and just too, you know, not reliable to just walk in the door and make that make them a, a consistently better team. It they, they retained a lot of their own pieces, but they did it on multi-year contracts. And I think you have some some reasons why they may have done this. And oh, by the way, some of those contracts are, M, are NFL type contracts, aren't they? They aren't exactly three or four year deals. Right, um, right. So it sounds like the deals that I've done, three or four is actually going to be two or three because they have team options on the back end. And who knows, there may be some non-guaranteed as well once the actual numbers come through. Um, but a lot of these deals, they're between the 
nine to twenty million dollar mark, which is prime for trading at some point if you get to that you know at the trade deadline or even going into next year those are movable contracts which you know that could set them up in 2022 for the instance of signing trades that have been happening those are pieces that could go back to those other teams if they're trying to sign a marquee player like uh a lawn uh a zion mm-hmm. um you know if they want to go that route so they're setting themselves up so i think they have sort of slow played it to a certain extent, but they've left themselves with a, a lot of flexibility. They did extend Randall uh, with a four-year extension, so they did throw some money at him, and of course he was going to take that guaranteed money. Um, but I, I do think they've done the best job that they probably could have done to set themselves up for 2022, 2023. I think so. Uh, they're going to be better. I, I mean, I, I totally forgot about the Fournier signing as well. That's a, that's a solid signing for the, the roster that's constructed right now. Um, so they're going to be better on both sides of the ball, at least a little bit to start here. And they did, didn't, didn't really have to forfeit too much to do it. I think they're running with as many assets as possible into 2022. I, I like the idea of two years guaranteed on most of these contracts. It, it, a bit of an overpay for Derrick Rose at this stage of his career, but it's fine. He certainly paid them back last year for it. Keith, anything to add quickly? Yeah, I think um, they. It looks like on its face, like they took a bunch of flexibility away, but they they really didn't, right? Because none of those are awful contracts. They, there's not one there you're looking at saying, "Well, that's going to be hard to move." Those are all, as Scott said, that's you know, put two of them together, and now you're at a max guy in a sign and trade, and they left themselves protected on the back ends of those deals, which is what you want to do with, with those kind of contracts. So I, I think it's good. And I'm with you that they're going to be better. They are in a lot of ways running it back, but with upgrades at point guard and on the wing Yeah, with Kemba Walker and with Evan Fournier. And that's, you know, fine. And even if you're saying, well, Kemba's only going to play 60 games, I'll take 60 games of Kemba Walker over 80 games of Alfred Payton uh, for this team. So that's, you know, I think that's you know perfectly fine. And they'll, they'll figure it out. They've got depth that they didn't have last year. So, yeah, I think the Knicks look pretty good. I, I agree. How about these Lakers, though? Um, look, they're getting <laughs> they're getting killed. You know, they're the, they're the butt of a lot of jokes. You know, LeBron's clapping back, all this stuff. I, I tend to focus on the on the youth they brought in, though. It seems to me that the two or three young guys they brought in not only mean something for this year, but could mean something for the next two two to three years, but the rights retained. And it's all about the next two years. That's that's LeBron's tenure. That's that's what the extension carries us through. Are they set up for a two-year run here? Is this the best the Lakers could have done with their financial restrictions? I mean, how, how do you kind of walk away from the randomness, the kind of... You know, so many people think it's just LeBron going back and, and, and bringing his buddies in, but... There's some rhyme or reason to this, at least a little bit, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think if you start out with the three stars, James Davis and Westbrook, I think you could set the over under at probably 30 to 40 games that they'll actually play together in the regular season. Because anytime one of them feels anything slight, they're going to sit them. Uh, we know LeBron's probably going to take a two-week break at some point. Davis is constantly nicked up. And Westbrook doesn't really play back-to-backs. But what you're probably going to have more often than not is two of the three on the floor. And in the regular season, that's really good because you've got those three guys are guys that can carry a team in the regular season. You talked about the young guys that they added. So Malik Monk, Kendrick Nunn, uh, re-signing Talon Horton. Tucker Mm -hmm. was a big deal for them. He's probably their best bet if someone's really going to pop 
and really develop into something, it could be him. He's really a consistent jump shot away from being a very, very good wing player in the league. Kendrick Nunn is a competent scoring guard, so on those nights when Westbrook has to sit out, you can bring him in. You can bring him in behind Westbrook. Uh, he's, he's pretty good at playing off the ball because he did a lot of that in Miami. And then Malik Monk, that one's a little trickier for the Lakers because let's say he does have a great season for them and all of a sudden it's like wow Malik Monk is a knockdown shooter and this guy is you know somebody that anybody can use their ability to retain him is going to be so minimal because they have no sorts of rights he's coming off a minimum contract that you could lose him but at the minimum fantastic signing all the rest of their guys, you know, it's funny. I heard people say all Wayne Ellington can do all is shoot. All Kent Bazemore can do is defend on the wing a little bit. Yeah. They're minimum guys. That's minimum guys are usually one skill players and they filled out a whole bunch of one skill players. Yeah. They were all old. I get it. I, I know all the jokes about, you know, LeBron saying they, they were only allowed to sign guys that had to rent a video at blockbuster in their life, which I thought was great. But the reality is, they filled it out with guys who make some sense. And, you know, even a guy like Carmelo Anthony, when the whole team's playing, you probably don't need a lot out of them. On the, that two weeks when the AD is out, you plug him in and say, hey, can you go score yeah, for us? Yeah. And Carmelo Anthony's going to do it. So I think the Lakers are going to be fine in the regular season. I have a lot of questions about the playoffs just because Westbrook's such a tough guy in the playoffs. He gets very much the Ben Simmons treatment. So that can get very messy. So we'll see. But I also don't think this team is necessarily done either. I think that you know they'll uh, be in tinker mode the whole way. And that's the last thing I'll say on this is if one of these – veteran minimum signings doesn't work out they'll just wave the guy and move on to the next one that's right uh, they, they're, they're well set up to continue to do that when is the right time to trade ben simmons keith uh probably a year ago before <laughs> it kind of, kind of bottomed out um it, it's i feel so the same the way thing. by the way i think they're drawing straws right now yeah and that's it uh, i've talked to a lot of people around the league on it and what they're telling me is they're just asking too much for it. And everybody is also saying Daryl Morey should be asking a lot because this is an all-star guy. He's an all-NBA level guy, but he has that fatal flaw of the shooting, and that that is an issue. But what, what everybody's saying is they're not going to get a move until they come down. Somebody else comes up a little bit. They kind of meet in the middle, and that's where it'll get done. The question that now everyone is kind of asking is, is it there's more and more reports coming out that he's not talking to the team, he, but he's engaged on a trade and all this stuff is what happens if we're only a month and a half from training camp? Yeah. Can you bring him back to that locker room? That's what everybody's wondering, because there are a lot of things said by the coach and by some of his teammates that it's going to make it really difficult to return. It's not like you're reasonably like, Hey Ben, you're back, man. How was your summer? Let's go. It's, it's not going to be like that. And that, that could, you know, make things really messy, very awkward for everybody involved. I think they've had a nice off season despite working around that and, and that process. But I'm just not sure what that trade is going to be. I know everybody wants it to be Simmons to Portland for CJ McCollum. And I, great you know but i mean we've been talking that one for years it feels like i continue to believe the best trade for ben simmons is take somebody else's kind of weird fit awkwardness but send him to a smaller market a market that can't acquire a player like him uh in free agency 
let him rebuild a little bit out of the limelight, get himself back on track and go. I, I my favorite trade continues to be Minnesota. Mm-hmm. I think that's you know where where you could really make a fit there, and Minnesota can get there with the salaries if they need to, without it even being D'Angelo Russell. They can still get there and make it work, and and that might be a way for Philly to really round out their their bench depth and those kind of things. Because I think Philly's put themselves in a position to look pretty good here moving forward. If it gets to, I mean, even just the preseason, <laughs> right? I, I think yeah. we, I think we have the model for how that's going to look, right? This we've seen what Clutch does before. Ben Simmons is going to sit on the bench with some graphic T-shirt, right? Some some <laughs> passive aggressive T-shirt on, saying something about where he wants to go or whatever. I mean, we've been down this road. Clutch doesn't mess around. He's not going to play for that team anymore. No chance, right? I would be very surprised at this point. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of irons in that fire. Okay, Scott, last question. I'm going to throw a complete loop at you here because we've talked a little bit about USA Basketball. We've mentioned many of these names. Which player on USA Basketball, Scott, is going to come into the NBA season guns blazing? Because we see it happen every single Olympic uh, series here. Somebody comes out of there, and, and I'm not, you know, you can't say Kevin Durant. Okay? <laughs> Kevin Durant's <laughs> the best player in the world. That's a, that's a softball. All right, but I've got, we've said two names that are on that team right now who are playing. Actually, let me rephrase the question. Olympics basketball, not just Team USA, Olympics basketball. Who's going to come into the NBA season and really take it another notch up? I'll say Jason Tatum. Yes, there it is. Yeah, I agree. Are you just pandering to our guest here? <laughs> absolutely not. No, absolutely not. I, I, you know, the more I listen to the guys that really dive into yeah. things, they always say guys that go to the Olympics and the camaraderie and feeding off of the next year up from them, they come back better the next year. And I think this is the year we started seeing Tatum a little bit there at the end of the season. I think now that he's surrounded himself with some of these other guys on that team, this is going to be a year to really ramp it up. It's not a bad answer. Uh, Keith, do you have a different one? I I I will uh, because I think it's okay. <laughs> think it's okay. I, you can I, give I the Tatum answer. I'll have a different I do angle think here. It's, I I do think it's Tatum. Um, you know, and it, it, there's part of him when you kind of reframed it to the Olympics. Yeah, I wanted to say Luca. I'm just not sure how much more Luca can do. Right. I mean, he's already an MVP candidate, so so that one feels a little bit weird. So yeah, I I I, I really feel strongly that Jason Tatum's going to use this, like many others have, as you mentioned, a springboard into you know bigger and better things for him. Yeah, I think Fournier can do it too. I think he's had a nice Olympic sure. run for sure, but he's a he's going to be a role player in that Knicks team, even though it's a good addition for them. I. I I'm really interested to see what happens to Zach Levine here because yeah. a he's, he's been a different player for that USA team. He's been almost, I mean, he's, he's a two way guy all of a sudden now, and he's coming back to a team that is going to be so deep and different. And I would say better around him that he may be able to settle into a whole new role for that team, you know, and, and kind of refine himself as a basketball player. He showed he could, he could push up towards of 30, 30 points a game, you know, last year, I don't think he needs to be that player anymore in this roster. So maybe nope. he can actually settle into a more two-way guy. And and that might be a better Zach Levine immediately for that Chicago team. I agree. And I think uh, I'm glad you mentioned his defense. I've never seen him defend like this yeah. at any point in his career. And I, and I think it is, a, again, I, I'm going to use Tatum as the one because I heard him say it. What we did immediate availability with him was – 
you have to lift your game because otherwise you get left behind by everybody else who's here. Hmm. And I think Zach Levine looked at it and said, man, if I don't play defense, I'm not going to play. They're just going to get me out of here. I think I think Devin Booker is playing defense like I've never seen him. That started last year in the regular season with him. I think when the Suns realized, hey, wait a minute, we got something here. I think he lifted his defensive effort. And also he didn't have to carry the load so much offensively. And I think that's what's going to happen with Levine. He's now seeing, hey, if I don't have to carry the load, I can really dig in defensively and get after guys. So I, I like the Levine pick, too. I, I think, I think too, him and Tatum are at the right point in their careers where it's time to kind of become what we think they could be. And we've seen flashes of it. Now I think it's putting that together consistently. And I'll also say with Tatum, he's already coming in with a pretty big chip on his shoulder because he uh, doesn't hesitate to remind everybody that he didn't make all NBA last year. Mm -hmm. So I think he's ready to come in and, and prove, you know, Hey, I want to make all NBA and new coach that, that by all accounts, he and Jalen Brown really wanted to be the new coach. Uh, I think it's really setting up for him to have just an absolute monster season. And that's the only good thing I'll say about the Celtics because there's just nothing else <laughs> good to say about whatever yeah, is going on have so faith. Far. We haven't even gotten there yet. It's not even August 6th yet, Keith. Uh, <laughs> speaking of which, you know, a lot will become official tomorrow. The spot track pages will be updated accordingly. They're in, in the limbo right now, of course, as these agreements sort of sit out there in, in dead space. Once they become official, Scott will be will be making those changes onto the cap table so you'll be able to see updated Max cap space, practical cap space, all that good stuff. Stuff that Keith's been doing behind the scenes for us frantically. It's got to be, you know, an awful lot of work for you to kind of project these things on the fly, Keith. So we appreciate your time with doing that and here at the show as well. Thanks so much. Uh, thanks so much for having me. It's a, uh, it, it was funny. A couple people said to me, it's, they, they just love that. They're like, it's so cool. You're in like the right place. And that's how I absolutely feel. It's, this is the right fit for me. So I'm um, thankful you guys brought me on the team. It's our pleasure, man. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Scott, I'll stick with you here for our last segment. Good stuff by Keith as always. Okay, so we just broke down many of the teams, all these changes. There's plenty more to come. How does it impact Vegas? That's my question to you. I have not looked. I've been on a boat for a week here. <laughs> I have, I have, I didn't even know John Collins signed a contract until 14 seconds ago. So I'm completely out of the loop here in terms of what these teams kind of look like on paper. I, I've, I can speak to some of these bigger, bigger moves just because I'm getting notifications and things like that. But you've been closely tied to this, so I and, and now you have the Vegas rankings according to FanDuel in front of you. The NBA championship favorite is... is the Brooklyn re- Nets. Okay, so they've done enough. Yeah, I guess you could say that. I mean, they, they have their core. They've got their, their big three. They had, didn't really have to make sweeping changes. I saw Blake and, uh, at the minimum, right? Blake at the minimum. We'll, we'll, we'll see, you know, official, official with the whole five team trade, what they really do get back and what they do with that. They traded sham it out. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the team is what it is. And Vegas still likes them regardless of the moves that they did. Okay. So that's the East. Um, let me guess the West. But Keith's really got me thinking Clippers right now because it just seems like they're, they're uber confident in what they are. But have they done, have them doing nothing surpassed the Heat and the, or excuse me, the Lakers and the Suns? 
No, I still think it's the Lakers, right? It is the Lakers. Is it close? Mm, Lakers right now on FanDuel are plus 370. Then okay, Golden fine. State is it plus 1100. Oh and then the Jazz, God. then the Clippers. What? Clay Thompson's yeah. return has vaulted them that high? Scott, that plus, where was Golden okay. State before this? Before, the second the NBA Finals was was won by the Bucks. So Golden State was at plus 1,300, and now they're at plus 1,100. Okay, so it's draft picks. What else have they done? Draft picks, that, that's about it. They signed Otto Porter Jr. to a minimum. Yeah, that ain't going to um, move but the that's it. Huh. So it's Lakers-Warriors once again, and then you said Clippers, and then Suns fourth in the West. Is that how the West breaks out right here? Oh, Utah. L- Lakers, Golden State, Utah, Los Angeles, Clippers, then Phoenix. All right. I guess I can live with that. What has Phoenix done wrong? Nothing. Vegas just doesn't believe that they're a perennial contender. Right? Th- that yeah. was a one and done. Chris Paul's older. Chris Paul's paid now. Right? There's... I guess there's, it's going to be harder than hell to get back to where they just were. I, I guess I get that. That's the Miami Heat thing, right? That's the Miami Heat who took a step back yeah, last it, year. Well, in Vegas doesn't really like the moves to a certain extent because out of, out of the gate, they were plus 1,200, and now they're plus 1,300. So, okay. so they're, yeah, they're they've not, gone backwards. They're not in love with that. Um, All right. I mean, if you, if you love these sons, it, bet them now, right? Jeez, bet them now. Uh, in the East, this is the one that's interesting to me. So, so Brooklyn, I agree with. Yeah, Miami moved significantly with with the Lowry addition. Even though I don't know if it's going to work, Vegas is going to is going to make it sound like it's going to work for betting purposes. Philly's done nothing, so their moves are yet to come. And Boston's basically done nothing. Their moves are still to come. Milwaukee lost PJ Tucker. Are they still the second second favorite in the East? Yeah, they are. They're at plus 800 right now. Okay. Run it down. Is it Heat? So it goes the Nets, the Bucks, the Heat, the 76ers. So the Heat's leapfrogged the 76ers here. Yes. Okay, so trading Ben Simmons is extremely important right now. It's extremely important. If they can, if they can re- reel in a shooter or a point guard... In moving Ben Simmons, a legitimate point guard, I think they can really compete in the East. I really do. Where are the Knicks on this list, Scott? Let's Way see. down, past Boston. Are yeah, past, they're at plus plus ten thousand. Are they past the Bulls? Did the Bulls do enough? Uh, the Bulls. Yeah, the Bulls are above them at plus seven thousand. It's incredible how movement works, isn't it? It does. We have well, no I, idea if that's going to work. So I, I'm I'm toggling back and forth between what I s- took a screenshot of day after the NBA championship. Sure, so like you talk about ago. Miami Heat. My, Miami Heat was plus 3,500 wow. coming out of the gate. They're now at plus 1,600. So, so Vegas, like the... So if you, if you thought the Lowry move was going to happen and you bet it, you that was that's good money on your part. That's good money on your part. Okay. So it behooves people to bet the 76ers right now. 
in my opinion, because if if the Ben Simmons trade is a trade that that gets them the, the next piece, and it's that's what they're waiting for. You know, Keith's right; they, they waited too long, but it doesn't mean they still can't get a significant piece back. It doesn't mean McCollum can't come back. It doesn't mean they can't get can't get a point guard back um, at some point throughout the year here, especially when the pressure is put on them. I, I would imagine their their odds will increase, especially with the. I, I, did Milwaukee's odd slide, Scott? How much did PJ Tucker matter in Vegas? They are at plus eight hundred now. From the get go, they were at plus eight fifty. <laughs> so they've got better, <laughs> or every, everybody behind them got worse, which is fair. Right. Okay, the Knicks can't win the title, but if you're a Knicks fan, you got to throw money on the Knicks. You have to. Because if for one fluke season, Kemba Walker is is crazy healthy and the New York juju that he might bring does enough, you have to bet that. You have to bet plus 10,000 on the Knicks if you're a Knicks fan. You have to do it. It's it's just the right of, right of passage. Yeah, it, 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 we, don't, we, we don't know what's going to happen just like it did this year right. with injuries, with COVID protocols. All of that stuff right. could be in play well, again. Durant's putting tons it, of minutes on at USA Basketball. I, Who knows right. if Brooklyn can hold this thing up right? I, I, I was just going to say that you have you have some players that are you know extra mileage right now. Yeah. You're going back to a full season with you know regular preseason into a regular season of full 82 games. They haven't really had a full 82 games in two years, so you're definitely going to have guys taking off. You're going to have guys that get injured, fluke injuries. Uh, yeah. So if you if you want to throw a flyer on. Yeah, at plus ten thousand. I mean, I guess that's a no-brainer if you want to throw whatever on that. Yeah, throw a dime on it. I like it. I, I mean, they can't win. I mean, we'll say that out loud. Shocker, spoiler. But I just like looking at how the movement can affect things right now because it is, you know, a kind of a TV show. What we're doing, what's happening here over this week. Like I said, nothing's really been official right now. But if you if you had forecasted Kyle Lowry, look at what look at what could have happened. You could have doubled your odds if you had forecasted that a month ago, which mm-hmm. many of us did. It was Philly or Miami for pretty much for anybody. You know, the Lakers were going to be out on Lauer. We knew that. Um, Washington, I imagine those odds increased slightly as they trickle up probably into sixth place in the East, if, if I had to guess. Are they ahead of the Knicks, Scott? Washington is the same as the Knicks at plus 10,000. That feels about and- right. Okay. And and they were plus ten thousand coming out of the gate, so they haven't changed even with how all the funny that- is that? Russell yeah. Westbrook leaves, and their odds basically don't change. Yeah, and in, in the late in the Lakers, they went from plus six hundred to plus three seventy. So Vegas likes. Oh, that's Carmelo. That- that's Carmelo. <laughs> but 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 Carmelo when. This plus three seventy had ha- I checked it when the what like the day after this trade of with Westbrook was going down and he's the one that shifted their odds they haven't changed since yeah I was kidding with, with all these low but I, I'm what I'm saying is so Westbrook Vegas didn't move the, the the Washington needle but it doubled the odds of the Lakers correct that's fascinating it is especially with all of the moves that the that the Wizards have done with Dinwiddie adding all, all the depth that we just talked about Vegas it hasn't moved their needle one bit that that's fascinating stuff all right well we'll certainly round back to that maybe in a couple of weeks honestly after the dust has settled on on the next wave of moves and some of things become official 
But uh, it's always kind of good to see how the yin and the yang work, right? When the real money moves, how is the, the betting money going to follow? And, and how do the odds trickle up and down based on certain moves? I don't know if Westbrook should be making, making needles move that much right now. He's going to have to learn a whole new game to play with those two players. Unless Keith's totally right, Scott. And it's just going to be every third night's going to be the Westbrook show. Right? He's going to be like right. a role player when AD and, and LeBron are out there and healthy. And when, when LeBron needs a day off, he's just going to go up to Russ's locker and say, hey, man, you're, it's your night. I'm done tonight. <laughs> yeah, it... it, it. Isn't that essentially what the Brooklyn Nets yeah, did all is. year? It did. It is. It, and it almost the same, worked. It's the same plan. Yeah, it, you're right. All right. We'll keep on this. Good stuff, Scott. Thank you. All right. Thanks. My right, thanks to Keith Smith at Keith Smith NBA on Twitter, and to Scott, of course. The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com/slash/spottrack for forty percent off your first year subscription today. Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment. There's a lot of new NBA draftees. Morgan Stanley Global Sports is the place to start. Get your financial solutions figured out at morganstanley.com slash GSE and Balanced Bridge. Looking to secure your guarantees, bridge yourself from a free agent contract into a long-term multi-year deal, or for any other reason to borrow money, visit balancedbridge.com. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Trek Podcast. 